0: Today is a new day and a new week. Welcome everyone to TK's A-Brigade. I am TK. I have been on the Musician Series. In the last episode, I was able to sit with Toddy Funk, formerly of Toby Mack and Diver City. Todd shared with me about his musical journey, where it began, where it took him, and where he's currently today. So we're going to dive into a little bit more depth about Toddy Funk. So turn up your radios and check it out here on TK's A-Brigade kind of want to switch gears a little bit you know here we are and you're you're traveling all over the world what really pushed you to start to really seek out like big name artists to try and go and play for
1: man you know i mean it was that was always there but see the thing about it Yeah, the thing about it, the music industry, there's not really a plan. It's not like you say, well, I'm going to go to college my first year. I'm going to take these prerequisites. Once I get these prerequisites knocked out the next year, I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm going to go into business, maybe finance or, or maybe accounting. You know, it's not like that. It's like, man, you just have to, you know. There was not, no one sat us down and said, okay, this is what you got to do. You got to learn how to write songs first. You got to get a, get your publishing first. You got to start playing these shows in your region, you know, and try to get radio and support and build your, you know, grow your audience. We didn't have anybody teaching us and showing us that stuff. Right, right. You know, so, man, so we were just going for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Wow. You know, like so. When we when when we came back from Tokyo the last time, you know, last time from from Asia, it was like, okay, you know, we got to keep pushing. But you know, some people went this way, some people went that way, and I ended up going to Dallas. Okay, you know? so you come back I, to where I, you I started,
0: to, essentially. I mean, yeah, as far went, as the big scene.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had a had a cousin. My brother and I had a cousin there, who. um was in a was in a uh, pretty successful you know local band and you know and it was just it was the club scene but they were playing the they were playing the the better clubs they were playing like the A rooms in Dallas and uh, their bass player and drummer uh, got got uh, snagged from their band to play in this other band <laughs> called Buster Brown and Buster Brown had a club. So Buster Brown was like these guys were like a corporate band but they had their own club you know and um it was it was it was safe you know it's like these guys were playing you know four or five days a week because they had their own club and they had other bands that would come in when they didn't feel like playing right you know it was very professional you know but so my cousin's band they needed a bass player and drummer so I decided you know to go and my brother decided to go back to uh Uh, Oklahoma. And so I just kept pushing forward, you know. And so for my cousin's band, I I did that for a while, learned a lot. There were a lot of great bass players in Dallas that he would make me go see, you know, and he would make me study. He was the guitar player. And so that's where I really started learning, you know, a lot of the intricacies and a lot of subtleties of music was in Dallas, watching great bass players like Dwayne Hager and uh, Ricky Rigsby and Gerald Lamar and, um, Mike Medina and these guys were playing like $3,500 bass guitars they were playing bass they were playing Olympic basses and, wow. and Trace Elliott Trace Elliott rigs and my cousin like man that's what you gotta get you gotta get you a bass like that you gotta get a like that you know you see Big Rick you see that rig he's got that's what you gotta get right. you know and so he was putting the pressure on me but he was helping me too you know so that's where i started up in my game i was going and learning from these guys i was hanging with these guys i was trying to get where they were because they were playing on the same level that i was and i had to be you know you know my cousin wasn't gonna let me slip because they were already established too so anyway so dallas led to austin you know um i i i ended up getting married way too young you know yeah yeah. but nonetheless i was i was married and i had you know child on the way and i'm moving from dallas to austin to play in another phenomenal band uh that would be you know very influential in my life um career-wise and just growing wise called the business and um in that band you know we called it the business university because everybody in that band, they came from someplace and they went to someplace. Some, some of the guys went to Prince. Some guys went to, you know, LA and, and, and did things with, with iconic bands like the temptations and tower of power. Some guys played with more pop contemporary artists, like Sheena Easton, you know, of Prince fame, the song sugar walls, you know, and seal and Janet Jackson. Um, uh, um, some of the guys, you know, went on to play with, uh, um, what's my man's name I'm looking at right now? Uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds. What's his name? Not Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy Vaughn of the Jimmy Fabulous Th- Thunderbirds. So, and these guys are winning Grammys and, you know, we're, 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 it's a whole different level because it's like, these guys are playing with, you know, you know, we were playing with the business, but we were getting offers. You know, like Derek Evanson got an opportunity to go play with Anita Baker. He was a saxophone keyboard player, and then, you know, like I said, you know, our drummer Brandon Temple he got an opportunity to go play with with Seal, and then you know Sheena Easton and Chaka Khan, and I mean, so that was like a springboard. I mean, Austin was like, it was amazing because the level of musicianship. Was off the chain, and the band that I played with, and you know, with those guys, called the business. I mean, we wrecked Sixth Street. We played Sixth Street maybe five nights a week, and man, it was you know, because Austin and back then Sixth Street that was a uh, you know, um, you know, college mecca, you know, University of Texas, and I mean, it was just like it was like Mardi Gras every night, oh, and so wow. the club was packed, and and for and that's where I learned. How to, you know, really, you know, from a show development, because like Morris Hayes, who actually went on to play with Prince, he was our keyboards and music director, and he arranged the show, even though we were playing cover music, and, and a few originals, he arranged the show. I mean, he arranged the music like a show. So when you, when you were walking down the sidewalk and you heard the business, you were like, oh, what's going on in there? Yeah, wow. wow. Yep, and then got when your you attention. come in the club, it's packed. Yeah, I mean packed. You know, fifteen, two thousand. Well, no, I don't say that many people. Maybe so. Maybe the world was that big. It probably held about twelve hundred people. But I mean, anywhere from a few hundred to maybe twelve hundred people in these venues. And that's a huge you crowd know?
0: when you think about like at the time, like a you know a thousand people standing there listening to you play music, like that that's good energy that that's a that creates a good yeah, vibe yeah yeah
1: and maybe not that many people maybe the venue i would say it, i'm you know i'm trying to figure it out but i think maybe five you know 3 to 500 some of those venues held you know but they it was like they'd be like sardines but it was dope because we played our music was like a concert every song you know there were there were arrangements and so that's when i was like oh, okay this is what it is this is how you need to put this stuff together and that's where I learned just with those guys that's and then awesome. from there wow yeah and then, and then from there you know um Nashville came you know after after that you know what I'm saying
0: yeah so okay so At this point in your career man you're really just uh you're really developing into a solid uh player you you got some experience and stuff and so you know like i said fast forward so you know i grew up in the uh in the 80s and 90s um on the hairband rocks and uh Mm -hmm. you know i mean i definitely grew up on like a new edition and another bad creation was one of my favorites right Um, right you know and bobby brown and whitney houston like all the r&b stuff for sure and so, you know, when I got into the 90s, you know, there was this band that came out and I grew up in the church uh, and we couldn't mm-hmm. listen to a lot of secular music. Just, you know, I mean, you know how the, the, the mindset was in that day. Um, but this band comes out and I'll, I'll never forget it, bro. I walk by the bookstore uh, in the church one morning and I see this cassette tape sitting there and it, I read it from a distance and it looked like it said something talk. And I was like, what's that? Because, I, you know, I've been a musician since mm-hmm. I was six years old in the church. And so I walk into the bookstore and I walk up to this tape. And it, on the front of it, it's three guys. And they're kind of, you know, weird looking. And, and, and I say that respectfully. <laughs> but uh, it's New Thing by DC Talk.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was like, what mm-hmm.
0: is this? Because up until then, the only, uh, you know, like I said, you know, ABC, uh, you know, Another or a new edition, like all the uh, the eighty mm-hmm. style R and B. Like I was listening to that stuff and LL Cool J, but I again, mm-hmm. I wasn't really um, able to listen to a lot. So I buy this tape, I take it home, and I put it in the cassette tape. And bruh, I gotta tell you, man, from day one, I was hooked. Like mm-hmm. that first that first music line um, on New Thing, and you know, mm-hmm. I hear I hear Mike and Kevin come in, and then Toby drops in. And I was like Mm. "Uh, Bro And you know I'm not I'm not gonna lie And say that I did not want to know Everything about these guys Musically Because At the point in my life You know I was kind of starved For really good music uh, In the Christian Mm -hmm. realm and here these guys are. And so, you know, I start following Toby and Mike and Kevin, you know, mm-hmm. you know diligently and, you know, from record to record. And, and the first mm-hmm. time I got to see them live was back home in Cedar Rapids in uh, 1991. They were on tour with Michael W. Smith. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they come out on stage and, you know, the dancers come out and the song drops and, and the place erupts. And I'm like, I want to do this for a living. I want to be mm-hmm. a part of what these guys are doing. And so, you know, for the next 10 years, you know, I followed their career closely. And then right around 2000, I think, was when, um, you know, DC Talk decided to take, you know, a break from doing DC Talk. And Toby, mm-hmm. he went out on his own and became, uh, you know, a single artist. Getting into the... Um, uh, you know That first record The Momentum record That's what it was Yeah Right uh, You know mm-hmm. and, and starting to hear Toby's sing, you know, solo stuff And, and then 2005 Was uh, You guys were on tour uh, So Okay Let me rewind Cause I'd like to hear Picking up from there So how did you Hook up with Toby Like if, if you I'd love to hear that story And just Kinda how you right. got into that Cause right, that's where right, I Right you
1: know, So I'm a young I'm a young father uh, married with with a with a daughter and one on the way and moved to um, moved to Nashville. You know, trying to fi- basically trying to figure out we're going to LA, we're going to Nashville. What we're gonna do? Nashville made the most sense because uh, I was back in Oklahoma City, and so um, uh, I I went to work at the mall. We didn't meet, but I I was selling cell phones. And it's so funny because he always tells people people that I I graduated and tried to sell him a phone. But I don't think, you know, it's funny because I I laugh because I I don't remember it that way. I just remember... The first time that I remember meeting Toby, maybe I didn't recognize him, and I did that, you know, and he said, man, I already got a phone, I already got a phone, I'm mean, man, you ain't got this phone, you know what I'm saying, but,
0: <laughs> but we laugh every yeah. time he
1: says that because he swears that's what happened, but what I remember is I was working for uh powertail in Nashville, a company that just came to Nashville, and uh, we were working out at Brentwood.
0: Oh, man, I love Brentwood, bro, that's one of my favorite spots in Nashville. All right, so you're in Nashville already, and you're working And so where were you working at?
1: The Governor's Club is what it was. It was a brand new development at the time. And there was a parade of homes and I was working a table out there. And I remember seeing Toby, Michael, and Kevin come in the reception area where I was with these cell phones displayed on the table. And I looked at it. He looked at me, and I just kind of gave him the head, the, you know, just a heads up acknowledgement. And he did the same. I said, "This dude look familiar." Yeah. I think I'd seen him on the Arsenio Hall show. Yep. Maybe a week or so before. Oh wow. You know, performing, you know, so that's that's where I remember meeting Toby. Okay. And um, uh, I was still playing. You know, I am still new to Nashville, so I was man, I was hustling gigs. I was working full time. I was hustling gigs, and I got a. I, I was going to this church. And uh, there was a kid there there named Al Baca, whose brother, Drew Baca, was married to one of the girls in Out of Eden. And because Al and I were good friends, we liked a lot of the same music. He kept telling his brother and the girls about me. I was playing bass at the church. And so anyway, uh, when we when we did I did the deal with Out of Eden I met Dave Wyatt who D-Dive. would eventually yeah. yeah who would eventually go to DC Talk and then Dave because we we started building uh, when Toby was looking for a bass player to do his own solo thing I got a call from Dave to audition oh boy and um, that's that's where it all started
0: okay Wow And that was what, what What year Do you remember what year that was Was that the
1: beginning um, like The very beginning That was like Because I moved to Nashville I believe in 98 Because okay. I was there in 1999 When Prince re-released his His One of his most famous singles And then I think I must have been around 2001, maybe. Because prior to meeting Dave, I mean, I was playing for, man, I was playing for, every, you know, trying to play for everybody. I was playing country music. I was playing for country artists, man. I did some stints with some country artists and wow. was playing for, you know, I was doing a lot of showcase work around town for artists who were working on getting their deals. So I was learning, having to learn a ton of music real fast and play shows. You know, like at 12th and, 12th and Porter, Exit in Listening Room, all over Nashville. I was just trying to get my name out. And where I got my street cred was um, uh, I, I went to Nashville prior to moving and went and saw the Wooten Brothers down at 3rd and Linsley. Okay. And their bass player recognized me because he used to come see the band i played with in dallas
0: oh wow so, so years yeah before, and yeah. so right
1: then on the spot he gave me a recommendation to the wooten brothers and so after i moved to nashville you know joseph and i exchanged numbers i i told joseph i was in town and so lo and behold he gave me a call about a month later because we're moving into the summer months and all the the, the top bass players were all on tour and um and so he asked me hey do you know these songs i'm like yeah he said all right here we're going to rehearse and You know, if you can make these Wednesday night gigs, you know, so I was playing with the Wooten Brothers on Wednesday night at 3rd and Lindsley. You know, very, very well-known, famous spot in Nashville for, you know, high-level music. And, man, I was hanging on by the, man, by the seat of my, you know, by my, you know, I was just hanging on, man. But I was hanging in, you know, I was hanging in. I knew what to do and what not to do. You know, and I learned a lot with the Wooten brothers, man. And and I really, you know, I really give them credit for giving me street cred because that's where. You know, a lot of the players that were playing the big gigs in Nashville found out who I was, you know, and, and yeah. that's that was a really cool that was that was love and I'm still great friends
0: with those guys today. That's awesome, man. All right, I got I got a couple more questions. Uh first yeah. question is, uh, what, what out of all the gigs, so you played with Toby 20 uh, twenty twenty years,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. So that was of, a great run, man. We did life. We yeah. did
0: life yes. on that gig, man. Yes. So what's the What do you remember being your most, like, exciting or your favorite gig out of all that time that you got to play with him? Do you have a favorite gig or a favorite venue that you played?
1: Yeah, there was a few, you know, um... Dream realized getting to play Red Rocks in Denver.
0: Oh boy! You know we
1: did we we did Red Rocks. You know I mean I remember being a kid and seeing you 2 perform Sunday Bloody Sunday and seeing that amazing venue, thinking man I want to play there one day, and then end up playing there with Toby Mac and yep. uh, Diverse City, and uh, we you know we did uh, we did Madison Square Garden a few times, and um, we played Royal Albert Hall. You know we played the uh, uh, the Gibson. Uh, amphitheater in los angeles so we we you know we played some really amazing venues you know some that i didn't know about and some that i did know about that were on my list And you know you know we you know we did I man we did the thing you know what i'm saying yeah you yeah know?
0: yes yeah, like you said yeah, you did like yes yeah.
1: yeah. so, so i mean it, it was just you know it was it was the life that that I always wanted to to have, you know what I'm saying? You know, Um, and and it's crazy because, you know, every day isn't, you know, I mean, you're doing life. So, you know, there might be issues going on at home, but you're still doing what you love to do. You know, that's the beauty of it because you can get, you know, um, that, you know, that side of it you know it's still like it's almost like the fantasy side of your life you know when you're traveling you're playing these stages and playing in front of thousands of people and they're showing you love and you're giving it back and then when you come home you know you come to the bus you know where your bus call is and you get back to your car and you head home and it's like okay shift gears here comes real life yeah you know I, (laughs) i remember playing with the katinas and I love those brothers, man, because they showed me how to transition from the road back to home. Wow! And, rock, and it was man. really beautiful, man. And those those brothers will always be my brothers, man. They, you know, I got to play with them for for a season in my life or before Toby Matt, and oh, wow. um, and uh, I, I learned a lot from those guys. And that was probably one of the biggest things I learned from them was how to transition back home. Which is
0: important, I agree with you, because you get into, uh, you know, like, because let's be honest, essentially, you know, playing bass on tour, you know, in the studio, whatever you're doing, like, the, the essence of it is a job. However, it's not just, especially when you're on the road. You're not just like working and then you go home to yourself like you're working, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning. You guys get back on the bus and you're on to the next city. So, I mean, you're essentially living, breathing, you know, daily, you know, meals, everything with these other individuals. But at the same time, when you look at it through that lens, it's a job. So how, mm-hmm. you know, how do you separate what you're doing? Because I'm sure, you know, we could sit here for an entire day. You could tell me stories about going, you know, probably after shows, going out into the, uh, the crowds and, you know, people wanting photos and autographs and all that fun stuff. Right. But but that's part of that life. Right. Because when you go home and you're just, you know, you're doing laundry or, you know, you're sitting eating <laughs> food or something, you know, yeah, you're doing you're, you're you separate it. And, and I think it's important, too, for people to understand that you know even with you know big name artists it's not that persona 24 7 365 like there is a separation um that mm-hmm. they have to have in order to stay sane and stay like hey i know this is what you know the entertainment factor but it's still work switching gears a little bit you actually uh auditioned for a, a couple of different major artists right like at some point in your career mm-hmm. didn't you audition for lenny kravitz
1: I did, I did. It was, it was, it was amazing. That was a really, um, really great experience. Lenny, man, he, you know, was a very cool guy. And um, it's interesting because so well, you know, prior to my flying out to, prior to his flying me out to L.A. to actually work with him, um, it was like everything felt like it was set in stone. You know.
0: Like you were and, like you had the gig basically.
1: Yes, yeah, yes.
0: yeah.
1: Um, the conversation, I mean, it was just man it was he's he's just a cool guy. I mean, I felt like I'd known him my whole life. And um it was interesting because that was a really difficult time for me in my life because I was going through some pretty heavy uh things in in my in my personal life in my marriage.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. And, okay. uh,
1: yeah, and so I'm like, okay, how can I pull this off? Can I pull this off? Wow. And um, looking back in hindsight, <clears throat> it would have been better for me to say, hey, look, man, um, I'm going to have to take a, a back seat on this one because of this, this, and the other, you know? Yeah. And, I'm, and he would have understood, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, well, man... I got this, you know what I'm saying? Yep, like, yep. I got this, I can do this, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so I'll never forget. You know, I get I get um get an email with all the music that I'm to learn for this audition, <clears throat> and uh, I'm with Toby in the Bahamas.
0: Oh, you know, and, wow. as as,
1: and as soon as I get back from the Bahamas, I've got to go to L.A. to do this audition or I didn't think it was an audition, you know? That was the other thing, it felt so comfortable. You know, I, I didn't even, I was like, you know, after the things he told me, I should have said, okay, so Lenny, am, am I in the band or are you st- is this an audition? What's going on? Right, you right, know? Because it feels like I'm in the band, you know, from what we're, what we're discussing, you know? But I didn't, I was just like, i was excited to have the opportunity i'm like man i got this even with all the drama going on so anyway we get we get back from get back from bahamas i think i had a day to turn around and get back and get to a you know get to the airport to get to la so i get to la and um it was on a whole nother level man i mean the rehearsal the rehearsal studio was it was the same set up i mean not much difference there but but when we started to play bro it was like lights camera action go a hundred miles an hour we're into are you gonna go my way and i mean the band was just it they were just it was just on point i mean it's hard to explain man. it was just like it was like otherworldly I mean, it felt like we were in front of fifty
0: thousand people. Wow!
1: And it was and it was loud, but it felt good.
0: Sure. And wow. I just
1: I remember, you know, one of the one of the dopest moments is me and Lynn, you know, back to back, just doing our thing, you know, because I'm a very, I'm a very. Um, uh, uh, animated person on stage. You know, I like to rock the stage.
0: I agree. You know, I kind agree. Of take
1: Yeah. And take that kind of you know, rock star attitude and, and, and with him even more so because that's what it was, you know? So anyway, long story short, I didn't, I didn't get the gig. Okay. Um, Gail Ann Dorsey ended up getting the gig and I have, you know, I have my thoughts on, you know, possibly why, but, at the at the end of the day man it was a great it was a great opportunity it was a great time because land and i actually we got a chance to sit down and talk and um on just on a personal level you know over a little little bit to eat and um you know and so that's one of the things you know um i think because i was going through you know some things you know it's like you know i didn't have a few of the songs i didn't learn them you know, as well as I should have, and I'll say it wasn't that I couldn't play them, but I didn't take, you know, I didn't take the time to really suss them out like I should have because I feel, you know, I felt like, you know, on the call, you know, everything, maybe, you know, we're going to go into rehearsals anyway, so I'll be able to tighten this stuff up in the rehearsals, no problem.
0: Right. You, you know already, what I'm saying? Yeah, and you already like on that sh- mindset. Yeah. Totally.
1: It, it, it wasn't like I, sh- it wasn't like I slept through the songs either you feel me because right, i'm right. going to go in i'm going to go in with guns blazing but you know I just think I, you know, I, I wasn't at, I wasn't a hundred percent, you know, cause I, I, was, I had this outside friction going on and I just felt like, okay, because of the, the comfort, the comfort that I felt on the on the call with him, I was like, okay, we're going into rehearsals anyway. I'll be able to get this stuff locked down in a day or two. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do. Wrong. Right. Wrong attitude. I, it was a reality <laughs> check. Attitude, yeah. You know?
0: Reality check you for know? sure. <laughs>
1: yeah you know yeah. so that, that was that was a hard one because that that again, you know um would have been life-changing in terms of financial sure you know what i'm saying sure yeah, yeah yeah so so that was that was a that was a tough lesson learned um and there were a few other elements to it too that i won't that i won't speak on but sure. you know i you know yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Sure. No, and but, that's um... that's cool, man, cuz
0: <laughs> like I said, you know, I I picked you up uh as far as knowing who you were right around 2004 and you know, I, again, I followed what you've done over the years, uh, you know, with Toby and and, and just kind of doing a background as far as your music career. But learning so much from you today has been uh, a breath of fresh air, my friend. Um, I'm excited, yeah. you know, to, to really just uh, dive in more. And so, you know, my last question is, you know. So here we are in 2022. What what are you uh, what are you doing these days? What are you? Are you still playing or are you retired? Like what's uh what's what's your gig? What's going on? I
1: ain't never retired, man. Okay, you know, fair I mean, enough. I'm, I'm actually I'm working on a record now. I'm working with an amazing team. Got some great great joints, man. And um, I'm I'm hoping to get this thing finished up so that by the first quarter of the year, you know, I'm releasing music at the first of the year. You know, and actually yes. doing shows again. Okay. But um, the focus, you know, it, that in addition to that, it's just been learning. I mean, there's a lot going on in the news, you know, as it as it pertains to Kanye. You know, Yay now, formerly Kanye West. Ye, oh yeah. And um, Kyrie Irving, and, and a lot of this 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 you know the talk about this anti-Semitism, you know, and you know people don't understand. People don't have a clue what's going on right now. I mean, that's a real statement. In 20 I'm sorry.
0: I said, that's a real statement, man. Like people are kind of just, you know, they're kind of blind to what's, what's going on in our current culture and that the Kanye thing is definitely a hot button topic for sure. I, I absolutely yeah, agree. And,
1: yeah. And I mean, it, it's a spiritual topic, you know I mean? Yeah. Things changed in 2019 going into 2020 and you know, a lot of people don't understand that. The prophecies are being fulfilled. You know, the time of the Gentiles has been fulfilled. You know, that's what happened in 2019, coming into 2020 uh, in March 13th when we were on tour with Toby and the tour shut down because of COVID.
0: I remember that, that day. Yeah.
1: That, that. Yeah. See, that's all. That's all in the ancestral record of the of the Israelites of the children of Israel. We find ourselves face to face with with you know the skirt being lifted on this country and the atrocities that it is upon my people. Now I'll just say black people, I'll just keep it real. Who are who are the Israelites who were here before Columbus got here in 1492, before any European. And and most people don't understand that we are the Jews. And that's what the problem is, is that now they're they're trying to make you know all of these, you know, so called black people double down on their speech, saying it's anti semitism by saying these things, but it's about a nation of people who hijacked our culture because of the destruction of our homeland in Jerusalem. We're not from Africa. You know, we are the Jews. You know, my my family is what you would say Indian. You know, when Christopher Columbus got here in 1492, they changed the names of the tribes. You know, Natali, Ephraim, Gad, Dan, Reuben, Zebulon, uh, Asher, you know, we, you know, they changed those names, those biblical names to other names, by words that you, that that people refer to us by today, Negro, Black, Colored, Indian, Mexican, you know, and and basically I'll say this and I'll digress is that, you know, and none of us regard Adolf Hitler in high esteem or regard but see, you know, the reason why Kyrie Irving, Deshaun Jackson, Nick Cannon, and Yay got in trouble because they are saying what Hitler said about black people in America. He said those people are God's jewels. The Hebrews are the jewels of God. We are the Hebrews, not the Ashkenazi Jewish people in Palestine. Those aren't the people of the book. And see, and in, in, in Christianity, that's what we were taught. You know, black people—we're the least of these. You know, we—we're the only nation that's been scattered about the four corners of the world, put in slavery, and that's in your—that's in your Bible in Deuteronomy 28. You know, the whole slave narrative is in Deuteronomy, but the Christian church doesn't teach it. So that's the passion that I have—is to wake up Christians who want to know the truth, just like the mixed multitude in Goshen that clung to the Israelites. You know, we're Israelites. You know, G- you know Jesus—he was born in Africa. He's not a European. He had nappy hair, just like the Bible said. He had white hair like wool, and he had skin that looked bronze and that burned in a fire. He looked like my grandpa. He was a black man. He was Shemitic. He was from the line of David. Those were the, he was from the Yahudim. He was from the tribe of Judah. Those were black people. But see, we weren't taught that in modern day Christianity because we are believing what the Romans gave us after they killed Messiah and His disciples and gave us Christianity, see that's what we were taught. And see, in my family, our my lineage was given that because of slavery. That was what we had to take. You know, we had to forsake our our ways and take up the ways of the the Romans who had who had persecuted our people. See, so that's where I'm at now, brother.
0: All right. Okay. You feel me? I, I love your passion because I have conversations about all types of topics with all different peoples from all different walks of life. And I just had this conversation early this morning with a friend about having a uh, foundational conversation about whether it's politics or religion or, you know, Mm -hmm. even like, even in opinions as trivial as, you know, which steakhouse offers a better steak. And I love it, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you have a foundational conversation with somebody about, you know, a deep topic like this. And you're able to, you know, um, present your, you know, position and where you stand and how you believe it and 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 the truth behind it. I, I love it because I always tell people, even when people disagree about anything, whatever the the, the conversation is, you know, not one topic, that you have a, a foundational belief in what you stand on. And what's nice is even when there's disagreement, right? Like whether it's really deep or trivial. That, you know, adults having conversations about topics that disagree at the end of the conversation, like, you know, I I love your perspective. And I'm not saying that I disagree with you. What I'm saying is that in situations where you have that, you know, I've seen so many people, uh, you know, in my own personal experience where when I don't agree with them on a specific topic or idea, they tend to get upset or, uh, you know, they want to be um, emotional about it. And I always try to tell them, look, Mm -hmm. it's okay to either... Have one accord or even disagree on things and you know as long as you come at it with a, an open mind and you say okay you know i see your position on this uh, you know i disagree that that steakhouse or whatever is better or worse or anything like that it's nice to be able to have those conversations because you know i'm an i'm a student first todd i i think that yeah learning yeah. about things um from multiple perspectives and being able to dissect them and i think a lot of people even in our current culture they're so quick to dismiss what they hear because someone else said no that's wrong okay so then it just right. is, dis- is dismissed because one person told them that it was wrong so I-, I love your passion man I love that uh through music and your career and you know and and here we are in 22 and yeah the current uh situation with Kanye and and what he said and even though you know people are quote unquote canceling him you know the man's still you know at the forefront of of a conversation people still talk about him so
1: Right, right. And what he did and what he's doing is genius because no one wants to talk about that. You know, and I don't know if we're still recording the show or whatever, but it's all good. You know, it's like no one wants to talk about what happened to our people here in the America. Nobody wants to talk about the American Holocaust and what happened in 1492 when 300 million of our ancestors were killed. That's what the big contention is because nobody... Appears to want to deal with it And talk about it That's why this is so important With Kanye and Kyrie Irving And these guys Because they're bringing This narrative about Right Because they have me? a
0: platform uh, in, right. a large, uh, in a large way They have a platform To be able to speak on on you know, Where they stand And so yeah. It's interesting when people Because let's be honest And I am almost about out of time And I'm sure you probably got Some fun things to do today as well um, But real quick Because <laughs> uh, I'd love to get I'd love to get on get you on another episode, uh, and we could talk more about this because this is uh yeah, fascinating. yeah, absolutely. whether it's music or politics or religion or you know, again, like you know opinions about better restaurants. Uh, It's awesome, especially when you have a platform that people are willing to uh, engage you and listen to, you know, your perspective. You're not just a mindless musician who, you know, gets up and picks up your bass and plays your, you know, your part and then go and, Mm -hmm. you know, and tuck yourself back in until next time. Like you actually sounds like you really have a heart for advocacy, which uh, too many people are afraid to speak their mind.
1: Yeah, for a fear yeah. that, you
0: know, when they speak something that opposes something, uh, people are going to automatically just dismiss them. And it, it'll right. happen. Like, I mean, let's be honest. It happens. But at the same time, like, why Why should we stand here in any facet and, and speak our mind or not speak our mind for fear that somebody mm-hmm. would say? Because, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, like I said, I grew up in a very... Predominantly Midwest mindset, you know, but I grew up with a lot of people from the south side of Chicago and from St. Mm -hmm. Louis and from Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and the culture Mm -hmm. that I grew up in, you know, a lot of people assume because I came from the Midwest that it was predominantly just, you know, white people. But to be honest, right, bro, right. like the my my hometown back in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, is a melting pot for uh, multiple cultures. Like I grew up with, uh, you know, Koreans and Japanese and Czechoslovakians mm-hmm. and Russians and you know African American mm-hmm. people. Like I mean, okay. you know, I grew up in in, in an environment where. You know, I didn't see the the at the time in the 80s and 90s. I didn't see you know the atrocities of um, what was going on in the South. I didn't see that firsthand. You know, I saw it through the news. Right. I thought I saw it through the history that we were being taught, but that conditioned right. mindset. If you just go by what people tell you and never go out and yeah, see you it don't yourself, be lost, bro. yeah. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> and our culture, honestly, I think the the kids these days they're 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 told that this is what it is and so they don't you know they don't have that hunger to go out and really seek out you know what they can say is either truth or false so man good stuff we are i am out of time brother and but i would love to get you on again and and unpack some more of this if you uh, if that's something that would interest you
1: absolutely absolutely we we can definitely do that man we need to we need to talk about it i mean that's something that i'm definitely passionate about and definitely something i'm going to be sharing you know, more so going forward. So
0: yeah, let's do it. All right, brother. Well, you have been listening to TK's A-Brigade with TK and my special guest, Toddy Funk. You can catch TK's A-Brigade on every major podcast platform, Anchor, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Go like, subscribe, leave a comment or a question. I would love your feedback. Also, when you go on to Anchor, check out the support button. It's a dollar a month, people help keep this podcast going bring out more relevant content next week we get to sit down with matt baird the lead singer for spoken i was able to catch matt while he was on tour and get him on the phone and chat up his journey and his musical career so that should be exciting so please stay tuned for that you have been listening to tk's a brigade i am tk until next time take it easy